Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today's episode. Today we're gonna talk about exercise prescription. So I got two questions that came in uh, regarding exercise prescription and dosing exercise. Uh, one was from Gregory Butler and the other one was from Christian Navarro. Gregory Butler asked me to elaborate on my thoughts on exercise prescription, more so a general topic. Christian Navarro really wanted me to talk about my experience with the prevalence of prescribing three times 10 or three sets of 10 in the outpatient setting and maybe how you cue and dose, especially when it comes to motor control tasks. This is a very good question. Uh, just to speak on Christian's question here in terms of the prevalence of prescribing three sets of 10, my experience with that is it's extremely prevalent. And I think, I think three sets of t 10, I'm not really sure here, but this is just my thought. I think that really came from way back in the day in Norway, they, they were doing something called medical exercise therapy or MET. And the purpose of MET exercises was to um, provoke an aerobic stimulus to healing tissue by means of doing very high rep, low load exercises. So everyone knows the famous rotator cuff, repeated external or internal rotation drills, right? In the MET uh, model, medical exercise therapy, we'd be doing up to three sets of 30, 40 repetitions with a very light resistance, sometimes actually assistance, just so we can really provoke the um, an aerobic stimulus or perpetuate a large amount of circulation and flood the area with rich oxygenated blood. I tell my clients many times that oxygen is the most potent medicine that we have. So when we're doing these type of drills, I want you to feel quote unquote, the burn, that burn is your body demanding more oxygenated blood from uh, your heart, right? Just try to keep it very simple. So I think three sets of 10 came from diluting that high volume of exercise. And it was, in my opinion, maybe a little bit came from the uh, strength and endurance prescription where when we talk in strength and conditioning terms, we have higher 
set lower reps for true strength. And then we're going more towards three sets of eight, 10, not exceeding 12 for gains in hypertrophy and strength. And then anything above 12 reps is considered to be endurance. So I feel like the um, arbitrary three sets of 10 in rehab, I feel like it came from the amalgamation of the set rep schema that we learned from strength and conditioning, and maybe a little bit of the dilution of uh, medical exercise therapy that we learned from, I want to say it was Norway. I, I might be mistaken, but somewhere in Europe, that is. Okay, so that's my spiel with the um, the prevalence of three sets of 10 in the outpatient clinic. But let me dive in, zoom out a little bit before I dive in, and just look at the term exercise prescription, okay? If we take exercise out of it and we just look at prescription, when, we, when doctors prescribe medications to patients, they are very diligent with two variables, the medication that they choose and the dosage that they prescribe said medication with. And the dosage is boiled down to milligrams, uh, how many times a day that patient takes the medication and how many times a week and for how long, right? So when we're talking about prescribing exercise, I use the, the analogy of medicine. We first need to select the right exercise and then we need to dose it correctly based on our goal. I'll always talk to my clients and tell them that when we're prescribing exercises to you, we are doing it with the intention and with the belief that movement is medicine. Exercise is med medicine. So we are imposing stress on your body with the intent to build resilience. So we have to be very meticulous with the exercises that we choose and the dosage that we prescribe said exercises with. So in regards to exercise selection, before we select an exercise, it, we have to know what the goal is. What does the patient or what does the client want to achieve? Now, because a lot of us are in a sports medicine clinic, a lot of them are coming to us in pain. So that's usually the number one objective is to get rid of pain. But before we dive into the logistics of pain, let's just keep it very simple. If I'm going to prescribe an exercise, there's one or two reasons why I want to prescribe an exercise. Number one is I want to get somebody moving in order to improve their endurance, their strength, and minimize sedentary behavior. So the question is, when someone walks in and I want to prescribe an exercise, is, well, what are they currently able to do? What are their current competencies in terms of movement? And then the other question is, what are their current inabilities? What are their limitations? So when we prescribe an exercise, we want to select exercises within their abilities. So we're within their available ranges of motion, within their current um, body control capabilities. And in that window, we can start to improve capacity. Now, once we identify what the person can't do, their inabilities or their limitations, 
with a movement screen. And I'm not going to get into what movement screen to use here. I use a combination of the FMS, the SFMA, and functional range conditioning or CARS. But regardless, we need some type of standard baseline to make the definitive call of what the person can or can't do utilizing a standard test. Once that is done, then and only then can we say, okay, here are the exercises within your abilities, and we're just going to up the volume and, and load here to improve your resilience. And then on the other side of things, we say, okay, here are your inabilities, here are your limitations, and we're going to prescribe exercises to expand on your limitations so that we increase your movement options, let's say. Okay, so that is all in reference to selecting an exercise. So number one, what's the goal? What is the client capable of doing? What is the client incapable of doing? When I prescribe my exercises, I want to make sure when I'm trying to improve capacity that I'm prescribing exercises within the person's abilities, fatigue them within their abilities, and then they're limitations and their inabilities, I want to prescribe exercises to help minimize those limitations so that they can get to doing what they want to do. So perfect example there is the person does not have adequate shoulder range of motion to be pressing anything overhead. They have 160, 160 degrees of flexion. And if they want to get to 170 or 180, they have to extend through their thoracolumbar junction. In that situation, it is inappropriate for me to increase their shoulder strength by having them press a kettlebell overhead repeatedly. They don't have the prerequisites to be doing said exercise to improve their capacity. However, knowing that the person has a limitation in shoulder flexion and knowing that they want to improve their upper body strength, I can pick something like a landmine press and half kneeling so that they are at least pushing in at an angle within their available range so that I can improve the strength and endurance within their current abilities. Okay. So that's exercise selection. Now let's go to dosing exercise. The question is always the same. What's the goal? Are we trying to improve endurance? Are we trying to improve motor control? Or in other words, are we trying to improve their ability to execute a specific pattern or a specific technique? Or are we trying to improve strength? Or are we trying to improve or desensitize a painful area? Or in other words, give a sensitive area an ischemic experience or an aerobic stimulus so that we can get ischemic adaptation, or in other words, vascularization of the area. So when we have that in mind, Let's take, for example, just going to Christian's question, my, the way I go about prescribing motor control exercises. Using examples is always easier. So let's use the hip hinge. If I'm trying to teach someone a hip hinge and they have no clue how to hip hinge, they either keep squatting or they keep bending from their back. They just have no idea how to isolate the hips with a spine that stays in a relative position, relatively the same position. In that case, I want to avoid fatigue at all costs. So I might prescribe 10 sets of three. Why? 
because I can allow them to perform the drill for a few sets and then give them a rest break. What is done in that rest break? Well, I can provide them feedback. If you're familiar with motor learning terms, you want to use bandwidth feedback or delayed feedback. Let them make mistakes, for example, maybe videotape them, and during the rest period, show them what they're doing, demonstrate what you would like them to do, give them one cue, and then allow them to do the next set, avoiding fatigue. Now, if I'm trying to desensitize a very sensitive area and I'm trying to minimize, let's say, fear avoidance behavior of moving a really sensitive shoulder, I might prescribe them the good old-fashioned towel between the arm and rib cage and just repeated external rotation for the rotator cuff. However, rather than making it a resisted movement, I might make it an assisted movement. In other words, the band is helping them into external rotation and resisting them into internal rotation and giving them three sets of 30 and seeing how they respond to that level of dosage. So when we're dosing exercises, rather than just arbitrarily giving somebody three sets of 10, we wanna ask ourselves the simple question, what's the goal? The goal is gonna dictate the dosage. The goal is also gonna dictate the selection of the exercise. And with that, we want to then, on subsequent treatments, be able to communicate with our patient and say, how did you feel after last session? Did you feel any worse after last session? Again, we're talking about someone in pain here, for example. If they didn't feel any worse, and if they feel maybe a little bit better, well, then we know that the total volume that we prescribed in terms of dosage in the last treatment was appropriate. And we can continue on with that dosage potentially progress the dosage, usually no more than 10% each week. Or they come back and they say, no, I was actually sore for like two or three days after last session. We then go back to the dosage that we had prescribed of assisted um, cuff external rotations. And they were sore for two or three days after that. Well, we can go back and say, all right, three too much. A total volume of 90 reps was way too much, even though if it was assisted. That gives us an indication of how sensitive the tissue is. And we can reel that back. We can tell the patient, all right, well, the total dosage of last treatment was a total of 90 reps. Let's dial that back and let's do three sets of 15 and see how you deal, see how you react to that. Okay, so we'll cut the dosage in half and then go from there. All right, so that is my little spiel on exercise prescription. It boils down to dosage and exercise selection. And we always have to remember that as clinicians, as coaches, we are using exercise and movement as medicine. And if we take that phrase seriously, we have to look at our dosage and our exercise selection as keenly as a doctor would look at the medication that they're prescribing and the dosage that they are prescribing said medication with. All right, guys, I hope that helps. That is the rant on exercise prescription and dosage for today. I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you for listening.
All right, y'all, episode's over. If you enjoyed it, please follow us on Spotify. Share it with a colleague. It would mean so, so much to me and my team. If you have any questions or follow-up conversations that you want to nerd out about, please shoot me an email, ramez at neuropedicspt.com. I answer all my emails. I'm more than willing to nerd out with any of you. Also, our virtual mentorship is open for enrollment. So if you're interested, please shoot an email to neuropedicspt at gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you again for listening, and have an awesome day. But I want to let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding in various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model. We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one -on -one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com. We're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer. And now, without further delay, let's dive into today's episode.